Blog Talk Radio. Radio. So listeners, how is your year so far? Are all those New Year's resolutions you made working for you? Or are you still seeking happiness, joy, life fulfillment? 
You know, most people let the resolutions go before the end of January. That bodes the question, are you serious about change? If you are, stay tuned because we have the roadmap for you. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a reconnective healing practitioner, certified vibrational sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner at Quantum Wellness Center, my private practice located in Sussex County, New Jersey, where Energy Awareness Radio streams to you live each and every week. Energy Awareness Radio is happy to be sponsored by Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken digital audio entertainment and information. Audible.com has more than 180,000 audio books and spoken word audio products to choose from, so you can listen whenever and wherever you want. Just download the title you prefer free of charge and start listening when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. That's audibletrial.com slash energyawareness. My guest is Natalie Herman, a personal trainer, motivational speaker, massage therapist, and Reiki master. She graduated magna cum laude from Boston University, my hometown, and has spent her life accumulating experience in the pursuit of optimum health and wellness, both for herself and others. She is the author of Daily Enlightenments, published in 2014, as well as her recent book, The Art of Good Habits, Health, Love, Presence, and Prosperity, which is our topic for discussion. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you so very much for taking time to join us here at Energy Awareness Radio. How are you being? Excellent question, and thank you, T, for this opportunity. I am being exceptionally well this evening because I actually have some... uh, some great news. My husband and I uh, have a small farm in the Shenandoah Valley, and we recently put it on the market expecting to be sitting around for a number of months, perhaps, because we had put it on the market once before and it didn't sell. And uh, we got a full-price cash offer for it about <gasps> three weeks ago, which is not the good news that I have. That was the original good news, but uh, we <laughs> were closing on June 6th. And this all happened very suddenly, and we found ourselves scrambling to try to find a place to live. And for the last three weeks, we have literally just been crazed with looking at properties, one after another after another, and fantasizing about the ways that they're going to work, and then showing up and discovering that that one's not going to work, and that one's not going to work. And I am thrilled to say that just about an hour ago, we found our next home. And so that is just so thrilling. Oh, it gives me chills just saying it. It's it's a huge um, arrival at the end of a journey for us, and it's, it really feels good. It's a great relief. So that's how I'm being today, is being grateful. Yes, you are, and and we're lucky to receive that, because for an hour ago, you could have gone out celebrating and just blown me off, and you didn't, so I'm grateful for that. Well, of course not. This is something to celebrate as well. Oh, my goodness, you've had a great three weeks. Hectic, I'm sure, but it all worked out, and that's, isn't that funny? That's how things are meant to be. You know when things are going well, when they just flow the way that they do, and boy, yours is just flowing beautifully, so congratulations. That is huge Thank news. You. Two pieces but of you, you know what's interesting, though, T, is about last Friday, um, I found that both my husband and I had gotten ourselves into this fairly desperate and frantic headspace and emotional energy space where we wanted to find something so badly that our very insistence and urging and wanting it to happen was creating an impossibility for it to happen. Yeah. And so we literally had to take a step back, which we did over the weekend, and uh, just recognize, I, for my part anyway, very clearly recognized that I was not helping the situation at all. So I just had to back up, 
and trust, trust in the process. And I wrote down everything that we wanted to find in a house, and I slapped it up on the refrigerator, which I've always heard is something you're supposed to do. And um, and then I really trusted, but I have continued to do the footwork. And so it was the letting go that allowed the energy to flow. I really have discovered in my life that uh, if I push too hard, if I urge too intensely, I can't, I can't manifest anything. I have to be gentle and loving. Life is a gentle and loving process, and I think we get so urgent about it sometimes. And that creates blocks and resistance, absolutely, because when you want something so much, and I tell people to do this, I'll say, show me what you do with your hands when you want something. And inevitably, they like clench their fists and say, oh, I just want it. And I'll say, okay, now leave your hands just the way they are. Now I'm going to try to give you something. How am I going to give it to you? Where are you going to put it? And they look at me and they say, well, I'm going to open my hands. I said, well, you have to do that, though. See, you have to let go in order to receive. And then they get it. What an excellent point, I love that. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, That's it's a just, great exercise. You know, and it's so true because yeah. when people want something, what do they do? Close their fists. I'm the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're human. We do it. We all do it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the, the other thing is when emotion gets involved, that's when it's so tricky because you can, you can, things can happen if you're not emotionally involved at all and things will go along fine and you can let go. But the minute emotion gets involved, we forget, wait, how do I let go? Because now I'm emotionally involved in this. And I, you know, you did a great job though. You said, I got to step back. I know it's me. I got to let go. And then look what happened a few days later. Yeah, but Yay. it was hard. It didn't come without a, a lot of sort of Oh, a, a certain amount of um, almost sadness. It was sort of like a recognition. It was like, oh, yeah, I'm not as powerful as I think I am in big things like this. In little things, control of my own personal being, yes. But when it comes to big things that need to be orchestrated sort of by the universe or whatever, I really, it's just, you know, it was sort of a recognition and an admission that I just, you know, I have to turn it over to, you know, the thing that's bigger than me, God, spirit, whatever, and uh, and trust. And it's, there's a certain humility that has to come with that. And with that, for me, at least what I experienced the other day, there was a little bit of sadness. It was kind of like, okay, I get it. <sighs> okay, I'll step back because I'm very enthusiastic, you know, and I just want to keep going and going and going. But there's a occasionally I'll get stuck behind these uh, dump trucks. There, it's some company, local company around here, and on the back of the dump truck it says, "Do not push." And I oh. love it every time I get stuck behind it. I think, okay, there's my message for today. Thank you very much today. I've always been a person who wants to push and muscle and make it happen. And for all that we do have the ability to control and take responsibility for and whatnot, there is that other piece of the pie, which is about allowing things to be what they are. Um, and I really think in a way that ties into the way that a lot of us feel about our bodies and other things like that. We get into that same mode, certainly if we want to lose weight or something like that. It it's almost becomes like a, a wrestling match between us and our bodies, and we're kind of at war, you know. And if we are really good and disciplined and don't eat, you know, the foods that we know we're not supposed to eat for a certain amount of time and we don't lose as much weight as we feel we should, we get angry about it. And uh, And so that same releasing and flowing and trusting is across the board in life in terms of any kind of change or transition in regards to anything. Uh, all of these basic spiritual principles I really believe and have discovered that they, they apply across the board for ourselves personally and for those we interact with across the board. 
Sure. It's true, and you know, and you said it isn't easy. It's not. It's simple, but it is not easy. There's a difference between those two because it's simple when you look at it and say, oh, yeah, that's simple, but then try to do it. It's not that easy. And when I find myself in a situation where, you know, my patience is, is wearing thin because I did everything. Why isn't it happening? I did everything. Why is this not occurring? I'm not manifesting. Then I have to remember, oh, yeah, okay, this is like ordering pizza. You order the pizza and you hang up the phone. You don't keep calling and saying, <laughs> how's that pizza coming? You know, you got that pizza ready yet? You just know when you get there in 15 to 20 minutes, it's going to be ready. So you have to have that kind of faith. Just, okay, I ordered the pizza and I have to walk away. The pizza will be ready when it's ready. <laughs> and that's the yeah, end I of the think, story. <laughs> I think that's a great analogy. And I think that sometimes it's so simple that it's frustrating for us because we want to take mm-hmm. control and we want to make it more complicated than it is. I know for myself personally, I overcomplicate things all the time. Mm-hmm. Luckily Me I too. am somewhat aware of the fact that I do that, but we, we overthink, we overcomplicate. We just make it such a big deal. I'm a personal trainer, uh, which I think you read in the introduction at a mm-hmm. gym. And so I work with a lot of individuals who have all kinds of physical goals that they're trying to achieve. And you talked about New Year's resolution also in the beginning there. And I think that when it comes to something like New Year's resolutions, people way, way, way overcomplicate the idea yeah. of exercise, for example, because that's usually a pretty famous, okay, I'm going to start going to the gym. And people think that in order to start some exercise, exercise regimen, it requires that they join a health club, they get all the special fancy little clothes that they feel uncomfortable wearing, and uh, spend some money, and then they can't make time for it because they can't get up early before work and do it, and then they can't do it in the evening. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. All you have to do if you want to start an exercise program is turn on your favorite music and dance in your living room. That's exercise. Mm -hmm. It can be that simple. It can be that enjoyable. But, again, we overcomplicate it. Because truthfully, T, I think by overcomplicating things, we give ourselves excuses. Because if oh, yeah. it's really complicated, then we're victims, and it's way too much, and we can't take it on. If something is presented to us in a very simple, very straightforward, very practical way, it strips us of our excuses, and we're left sort of standing in the light like a deer in the headlights, and we really have nothing left to fall back on. And so there's no reason for us not to claim our greatness, to step into the light, to be what we want to be and, and experience what we want to experience. As long as we complicate things, it I think it gives us excuses. I really do. And it lets you and out actually, of being accountable. And actually, that's what I've tried to do. I'm sorry, go ahead. It lets you out of being completely accountable because you have something to blame things on. It isn't you. <laughs> exactly. You know? And we're really good at the yeah. blame game. We can blame anything. Yeah. We can blame the weather. We can blame our parents. We can blame our ex-husbands, ex-wives, current husbands, current wives, children, pets. You name it. We can blame anything. We're great at that kind of game, game for sure. For sure. It and what so I've really tried true. to do in my book, The Art of Good Habits, is to do just that, is to take these complicated and very triggering, challenging subjects of love and food and money and time and to just break them down and make them so simple and basic and straightforward and obvious with these really pragmatic action steps uh, that, that there's no reason not to proceed into whatever it is that you desire. Um, I was, I was recently at a, it was kind of a conference. It was a meeting and a friend of mine named Karen was sharing for the group and she talked about an experience that she's had recently with 
a contractor. She wanted to put in a new walkway in the front of her house leading up to her house. And the first contract, she had two or three different guys come to give her quotes because she wanted to be a good comparison shopper. And so the first couple of guys came in, they asked her, you know, she said, this is what I'm trying to do is create this walk, and they gave her a price. And the third guy came in, and he said, what do you want the front of your house to look like? Mm -hmm. And that made her stop for a second because she thought, okay, this is a different approach. And he pulled out a magazine, and he started flipping through the magazine, and she was looking at different pictures of different approaches to the fronts of houses. And um, and she found one, and she said, that, I want my house to look like that. It was a vision she had in her mind. And he said, okay, we can do that. But if you want to create that kind of a look in the front of your house, then we're going to need to put in some lighting because lighting is part of this look. And she said, you're right. We, we are going to need to put in some lighting because this is what I want and this is what it's going to look like. And then he said, and also – we're going to need to create a little different landscaping than what you have out there. And you get the idea. And so she ended up spending a little bit more money but getting exactly what she wanted. And when the job was done, she had no problem with the fact that she had spent more money because she had this. She had what she wanted. Her front of her house looked exactly the way that she wanted it to look. And I think that we need to take that approach a little bit with ourselves too. You know, what? It's it's not it's not that we want to, uh, you know, lose weight or we want to start exercising. We want to feel a certain way. We want to experience our life a certain way. We want to enjoy the process of time in a certain way. And so we have to get in touch with that, with what the bigger picture is, so that then we can take the small, pragmatic action steps that are going to create that walkway, that look in the front with the lights and the landscaping and the whole nine yards so that it's really what we want. Because I guarantee you that anybody out there in your audience has lost, gained, whatever, 5, 10 pounds. And, of course, that may not be the issue for some of you. I just am using it because it's a common one for many folks. Um, And so what? So then you're five pounds lighter, you went on some stringent diet, and you don't feel any differently than you did before. And so you start eating the way you were eating before, and you go right back to it again. And then you weigh what you weighed. And it, it doesn't it's, – it's a bigger picture. It's all about ultimately what you referred to in the beginning, I think, which is this sort of life satisfaction, this sense of well-being, comfort in our own skin. And I would argue that that comes – that feeling, which is the big picture feeling that we're really after, it comes from taking responsibility for the things that are actually ours to take responsibility for so that we no longer are making excuses and playing the blame game and being the victim. But we are saying, this is something that I have the ability to affect, that I have the ability to change. Everything that impacts us, our personal behavior. And when we do the next right thing that is leading us in the direction of what we want, we feel good because we feel empowered. It's empowering. It's like, oh, my God, look at how good it feels for me to take responsibility for myself, for my actions, because when we take responsibility for ourselves, all of a sudden we're not worried about what everybody else is doing so much because we recognize that they're responsible for themselves. And so we let them take care of themselves, we take care of ourselves, and we're we're we make it possible then to enjoy our lives without all this, you know, blame game and victimization and everything else. You know, it's funny because that your book is like that contractor. Your book is showing people what do you want to be? What is it that you want the end result to be instead of saying, 
you know, okay, we're going to do this, that, and the other thing and charge you this, you can't see the person's vision. So your book is almost like a guide to people figuring out their true vision because sometimes they don't know. It's very practical. It is a quick read. It offers practical information. It's simple to understand. And the exercises are very easy to integrate into each day so that, you know, a person could not only make changes but receive the benefits relatively quickly. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's something that's not hard to do. You just have to take the time and effort to do it, and then it becomes an integral part of your life because a, a lot throughout the book is about awareness. And, you know, this is energy awareness, and, it's, and I tell people all the time, you just need to be aware. If you are aware, things flow differently. If you're aware of your thoughts and what you say, if you're aware to use your filter instead of just blurting something out, if you're aware of the fact that what you may say, how it will affect another, and, and don't go after people in, in a way to attack them so it makes you feel good. I see so much of this, and, and the book really teaches people, the Art of Good Habits, it's a great name for a book because, because it, it does teach you the good habits that will shift every aspect of your life, not just the habit that you're you know, creating. For instance, you have it divided into four pillars. You call them the four-pillar system. And each pillar is divided into chapters, which go deeply into the pillars. So when you talk about, like, the first chapter is health. If you start making changes in that area, you will see it automatically just filter out through all the other areas. Do you find that to be true? Because I, I find that to be true. Absolutely. Everything that you just said is spot on. And you reminded me particularly about the idea of love. And I think that mm. some of us have a feeling that we want to experience more love in our lives. We feel lacking in love, nobody loves me, we get lonely, whatever it may be, and yet we'll go into a grocery store and buy some things, and on the way out, we do not even acknowledge the cashier. As a human being, across the aisle from us, we don't exchange hellos, we don't ask how their day is, or if we do, it's very perfunctory, how are you today, fine, thank you, great. Um, And Mm -hmm. we miss an opportunity for a human interaction, which Love is one of those things where if we are more loving with others, then we feel love. It grows within us, and we feel more loving energy in our lives. So in the love section, for example, there is one of the exercises which is really about growing love in your life on a daily basis. It's a very useful exercise that's extremely simple, and it is simply to acknowledge the things that you love. And it can be very simple. And if you're in a funk of a mood, you can do something like this. You can also do this with gratitude, by the way. And there's uh, some suggestions for that as well. But in terms of love, simple things. I love the way that the evening sunshine comes through the window. I love the feeling when I first get into bed after a long day. I love my morning coffee. I love my drive to work. Whatever it may be, I love the smell of rain. I love the feeling of my dog's fur when I nuzzle down and say goodnight to him, Um, you know, and then things, of course, like I love my children, I love my husband, I love my parents, if you feel that way, but it builds on itself. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you start generating this energy inside of you. You work with energy. I know you do, and so you totally Mm -hmm. get this. And it's just, it builds on itself, and all of a sudden, you, you can take a really negative energy situation and mindset and transform it. And that's one of the things that we have the power to do. We are not ever 
stuck. We always have the ability to change the way that we are experiencing our reality. Now, there are times when it is fully appropriate to be sad, to be angry, to have negative emotions. I'm not a person that is all Pollyanna and everything has to be positive and wonderful all of the time. Right. But it's about, it's about feeling the love in the sadness and really embracing it and being compassionate with ourselves and everything else. Um, and then you went on to talk, you said a lot, and then you went on to talk about these four pillars and you talked about yeah. awareness, which is very important. The pillars are the the main topics, which you said, which are health, love, presence, which has to do with our experience of time, and prosperity, which very much has to do with our experience of material things and whatnot, and how we can not necessarily experience prosperity, even if we have all the material things in the world, but it's more of a spiritual state. And each of those ideas in the book are concepts, those um, title topics, if you will, are, uh, let's see, what's the way to say it? They're paired with a spiritual principle. So the first topic, mm-hmm. health, and one of the primary spiritual principles is about honesty. And that's really a beginning spot. We have to become honest with ourselves about where we are behaving like a victim, uh, where we are not being genuine about our behavior. I can't tell you all the people who come in and I interact with them and they're overweight and they want to lose weight and they say, but I'm eating really great. And you start talking to them about what they're eating and they're, they're not being honest with themselves. They can't be because that isn't, that isn't a very good example that I'm using probably. But the point is, is that what matters is not so much how someone else may perceive your honesty, but how honest are you really being with yourselves? And we know, we know. And so honesty is a very important beginning place because if we're really honest with ourselves, then we can take action and change. And uh, another thing that is the form of self-sabotage has to do with that idea of simplicity that we were talking about earlier. And it's just what we tell ourselves. So we may think we're being honest and we might do something, and I'm going to do this only because I used this example earlier also, which is, oh, I really want to lose some weight, so I'm going to join the gym and I'm going to go five times a week and I'm going to uh, wear all these clothes and I'm going to get in there. And we talk to ourselves all this complicated stuff, and when we get to the end of it, it's jumbled. We have no clue what we've really said or what we really want. Here's a better example. I talked about this house that we wanted to buy. We started off this process not really knowing what we wanted and looking at anything and everything and just being all over the map and frazzled, and it was very frazzling energy. So you have to take this big mass of jumbled stuff, and you have to – simplify it to this core kernel of truth that is in it. So maybe it is something like uh, I struggle with my weight and I really want to lose weight and I've tried diets and none of them work and I've done everything that's possible under the sun and it doesn't matter and nothing works for me and it's just it, it's such a struggle. And then you pair that down and it comes down to in the end. The simple thing is I am struggling with my weight. And then you look at that. Okay, what's the reality there? What's the truth? And then you look at the particular specific actions that you're engaging in on a daily basis that are creating this feeling of struggle. And then you change those very simple specific actions into different actions that are going to generate a feeling of acceptance and relaxation as opposed to struggle. And then you sustain that new simple action 
until it becomes an ingrained habit over time. And then you don't have to think about it anymore. It's a, it's a literal transformation in your energy field and everything else. And that, in a nutshell, kind of describes the whole transformation process when it comes to any kind of habit you could possibly imagine. And it's, uh, it's beautifully simple. But as you said, it, it's not easy because the first step is that it requires this, this self-honesty, which is really can become jumbled. And there's an exercise in the book to simplify your thinking like that. So if you have all kinds of jumbled thinking around a very uh, triggering topic for you, something that every time you think about it, it really makes you feel uh, angsty and panicky, you can simplify it and bring it down to this very simple truth, and then you can work with that simple truth. Let's say it has something to do with finances. Um, you know, you just never always feel like uh, I never have enough money or time. Let's use time instead. I never have enough time to do the things that I want to do. I'm always in a rush. Uh, there's just so many things on my plate, and I can't ever seem to slow down, and it's just so insane. And so that's the jumbled thinking. And then you simplify it and you break it down and you say, okay, I feel rushed all of the time and I don't have time to do the things that I want to do. And then you break it down again and it comes down to maybe a kernel of truth that is something like I feel rushed. And then that's something you can work with. So you look at the specific actions that you're taking on a daily basis that may be making you feel rushed. Let's say that you set your alarm 10 minutes before you are supposed to be leaving the house. And so you get up and you have panic mode immediately upon waking up because you've got to be out of the house in 10 minutes and 10 minutes simply is not enough time for you to do everything that you need to do in the morning in order to have a relaxed morning so you hop out of bed in order to what get 10 extra minutes of sleep or 15 extra minutes of sleep and so that's a specific behavior that's easy to change so you say okay getting up 10 minutes before I have to leave the house is stressful it's creating a rushed feeling in my life so I can change that I can set my alarm 15 minutes earlier, and then I'll have 25 minutes before I leave, or I'll even set it 20. And then all of a sudden you wake up and you have time and spaciousness, and it changes the energy of the morning, and suddenly you don't feel rushed anymore. And the first few days that you do that and the alarm goes off a little bit earlier, that's the uncomfortable beginning part of change. You just have to do it. You have to care enough about yourself to get up when the alarm clock goes off because you want the change. You're working towards something that you want, and you have to keep that in the forefront of your mind in the beginning because it's uncomfortable. But after you've been doing it for a couple of days, all of a sudden you may discover that, wow, I'm really starting to enjoy this little extra spaciousness. I have time to read uh, a reflective passage in this daily reading book, one of which I have, by the way, Daily Enlightenment, which is also full of practical grounding stuff. Or I have time to sit on my porch and listen to the morning birds or whatever it may be. And so that's a very simple example. And it's a good one. It's apt and you can apply it to anything. So, again, you engage in that new behavior. And then suddenly after you've been getting up 20 minutes earlier for a period of a month, two months, I think different for everyone. I don't think there's an exact 90-day period or something like that. That's my personal opinion. All of a sudden, you find that it just happens. It comes naturally because that's what you do is you get up in the morning uh, and give yourself 25 minutes or a half an hour or 40 minutes or whatever you choose to do in the same way that it was a habit that you got up 10 minutes before you left and were in a state of rush. Suddenly now you get up 40 minutes before and you have this nice morning routine that makes you feel relaxed. And it's it's that simple. You have to identify what you're doing that's creating this feeling in your life that you don't like feeling and then change the action. 
and then sustain the action. That takes some discipline, but only until it becomes automatic and involuntary, and that's the definition of a habit. It's something that is automatic and involuntary, and we are programmed that way. So if we do anything over and over in a repetitive fashion, that becomes a habit. And by the way, our lives are highly and hugely and almost completely repetitive. I would be willing to bet that most of us, if not all of us, do get up the same way pretty much every morning, have the same thing for breakfast probably pretty much every morning, drive pretty much the same way to work or you know, set ourselves up in our home office or whatever it may, may be pretty much the same way. We get into these routines. Life is routine. It is repetitive. And the sun comes up, we get through our morning energy, our lunchtime, our evening energy, nighttime. And it cycles around. And we cycle around just like the universe cycles around, sun up to sundown. And if we can align ourselves with these natural rhythms, God, that feels good. It just is a wonderful way to live. And so if we are engaging in daily routines and cyclical behavior that is making us feel crazy or angry or uncomfortable or rushed or heavy or ugly or whatever it may be, we have to recognize what those actions are and change them. And that is the power that we have. And if we go through that process and we step up and claim the change, we can experience well-being beyond our wildest dreams. I am convinced of it. And I am also this is my personal story. This is what I have been through. I have come from a really dysfunctional, messed up place in every aspect of my life and slowly changed some behaviors enough so that I feel like, God, this is great. I want to share this with everybody so that everybody can benefit from this very practical approach to claiming what you want really, in life. It's exciting because it's so empowering. We have so much, in some way, we have so much more power than we realize, and in another way, we have so much less power than we realize. Hello?
I am still trying to get a hold of our guest, Natalie Herman. Here we go. Natalie, are you are you there? I'm here. I don't Hello. I have no idea oh, what happened. I, don't. I was just on a roll I have and no I idea what happened. You shut me off and said forget I know. it. I, I'm like <laughs> trying to get I'm trying to get people and like I do not know what happened. Um and it looks like it it's happening again. Are you still there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. All right, good. All right. Well, let's continue to see because I, I, I have no idea. They're trying to fix it, but it's uh it's not we're not doing well right now, but that's okay. We'll move on. Okay, one of the things that you had mentioned, let me try to find my notes here, is yes, you have to be serious about change. And there has to be consistency when you're going through the change because so many people will say, well, I did it for three days and it didn't work. Three days is not enough. <laughs> I don't care who you are. That's not enough. You have to be consistent with whatever it is that you're trying to do so that you can allow it to integrate and actually become the habit that you want it to become. And I think that sometimes people don't realize that doing it to start with, it's simple, but it's not easy because it's new to you. But then it becomes something that is a part of your life. And when you see your life is getting so much better, as you did, it's just natural to do, to do the things that you're doing because you're doing them in noticing the change, which is only you know, perpetuating more change because you're now doing other things and adding to it. And that's what your book is, is doing. It actually is a guide for people so that they can see, try this, do this. You will be able to go deep to see what the issue is, figure it out. And as you said, if you're honest, it is, it is a, an exercise in being honest with yourself. And I, I think that that's a very difficult thing for people. They don't want to admit where there may be difficult. And, and I'm sure you find that, as you said, being a personal trainer, that people just, they think everything's okay and they're doing things right. But then when it gets right down to it, it's almost like it's a huge disappointment. And it can, it can bring on depression in people where they say, I didn't realize I was doing that. Do you find that they do tend to get a little bit down as well? Well, I think that uh, to be fair to all of us and compassionate with us as human beings, it's, uh, I think any of us can only be as honest as we can be on any given day or at any given yeah. time. And sometimes we're more able to be honest than others. But I don't want to be discouraging at all to the listeners because the point is is that the, the, the thing is to begin where it's, mo- where it's simple, where it's faceable, where it's doable. And the step that comes after honesty is is willingness. It's about yeah. uh, being willing, being willing. And I think that if we're willing to try things uh, to get back on the horse, so to speak, if we fall off, then that is goes a long way. And we'll become able, we'll be able to be more and more honest as we go along the path. And that awareness is a huge part of it too. And the awareness is part of what keys into enjoying time and the the pleasures of time and just being aware of the changing light and the seasons if you live in a place where there's seasons it's now pretty lush summery down here I live in Virginia and it is just beautiful and I think so often we miss it because we get caught up in our heads and so also bringing awareness to our behavior and what we're doing and Mm -hmm. what we're not doing and if we've slipped off but you did say something about this idea of consistency and I have Mm -hmm. it is a lesson that is sent home to me constantly in my life it is the number one reason for almost every success I've ever experienced is consistency and I think Mm -hmm. that that is what so many of us lack 
is like you said, it will make a will make a half effort, and we'll say, okay, a couple of weeks. We've had a lifetime habit that it, we've been engaged <laughs> yes. in for forty years, and we are willing to give it two weeks. And if it has everything has not transformed in our life in two weeks, it didn't work. That doesn't work yeah. for me. And we move on to something else. I mean, everybody I'm sure can relate to that on some level. I've done that. I've been there because we want instant gratification. We want instant yeah. change. But any kind of change that is worthwhile is um, that's sustainable over time. It, it takes consistency. But again, that's where those daily rhythms come into play and the rhythm of our life right. comes into play. It's about learning to love the changes that you're making and, and experience as they shift slightly. And suddenly what will happen if you just sustain it and just get up and do it again the next day and do it again the next day is that suddenly you're doing it and you're not thinking about it. It's just part of you. Uh, I, yeah. I I used to drink. I drank uh, very dysfunctionally for many years, and I don't drink anymore. I haven't had anything to drink for 11 years. The idea at one point in my life of surviving through one day without alcohol was completely inconceivable to me. How could you live life? How could you celebrate? For me, it was a huge problem. And yet, I live without it very happily now, and my life is so much mm-hmm. richer and so much better without having to struggle with that. I struggle with food. Uh, for years and years, oh, my God, five pounds on the scale, up and down, and I'm happy if I'm down, and I'm unhappy if I'm up, and I'm struggling eating ice cream, and I know I shouldn't be having it, but I can't help myself, and I love it. I eat ice cream today, but I do it with pleasure and in some moderation because I know that I can. And the idea is that we can trust ourselves to eat if we're not in this sort of sense of punishment within our heads, like you shouldn't be doing that, that critical inner voice. Our inner voice is very important and it can be our ally or it can be a great uh, critic for us. And so the idea is to become aware of that as well. And And the worst uh, part is that we we tend to see the critic more and pay attention to that, which is sad because if we each understood how very limitless we are, we would astound ourselves at the things that we can do. But we don't, we tend to go to the negative and believe it instead of saying, well, okay, wait, I need to look at that and say, why aren't I thinking about as strongly of the positive things that are coming in with your book, the art of good habits. When someone starts to read this and go through it, and it's been scientifically proven that you can change the neural pathways in your brain. So you can cut off those synapses that are negative and bring in the positive ones. And if you just take one chapter and and work on it until you get it, you can move on to the next one. You will see changes, even just doing one of the things. And one of the things that you said was when we were talking about the, uh, the willingness to have the willingness to do things. I loved the willingness exercise technology detox. I think you hit the nail on the head, and I think that's the one thing the entire world needs to do, the entire world, because no one believes that they are addicted to their bloody magic phones and their little magic etch-a-sketches and whatever else is going on. They, they seem to think it's the end all, and if they lost their phone or their, their, their iPad, they would be lost forever. They'd lose everything. People don't know what to do. They're not connecting. They're not being compassionate with one another. You, instead of seeing children playing together, they're sitting on curbs texting each other. That's not socializing. That's not being with someone. That's just being with a machine. And that technology detox exercise to me was like, this should be like a book all in, of its own. You should just do a book on that because that is so important. People are so – I bet you see it when you're doing personal training that people will stop and pick up their phone and text. 
You know, yeah, it's funny. The guys on the deadlift machine, I watch them all the time. They'll they'll do the, you know, these are the big the big guys with the big muscles, and they come in there and they put the big weights on the bar, and then they do these deadlifts, which is basically you kind of reach over, touch the ground, and then stand up with a huge bar with tons of weight. They do two or three mm-hmm. deadlifts, and then they go and sit on this little curb and pull out their phone, and they play on their phone, and then yeah. they come back and do their, more deadlifts. But worse than that, even I think, is when I go to a restaurant and I see a family yeah. and two adults and two children. Different, what a varying ages, all four of them have a phone, and each of yeah. them is absorbed in their phone, and there's no interaction going on among them. And you nope. made such a good point, T, which is that everything is related to everything else. There is this incredible interconnectedness of all things and all beings. And so the simple change of taking 20 minutes a day to have your phone out of sight, out of mind, and not refer to it, or an hour or a couple of hours or whatever you can live with, um, all of a sudden opens you to all these different things. It opens you to the possibility for a loving human interaction, or it opens you to the ability to be very present and aware in nature and to see something that you ordinarily wouldn't see, to listen to a bird, uh, to enjoy the ride in your car instead of trying to sort of text when you're not supposed to be texting and, oh, my God, and responding right. to every single email as it comes in. And so suddenly it can affect your ability to feel rushed and hassled and harried. I don't know about you, but if I am thoughtfully engaged in a writing process or even responding to an email or whatever it may be, and suddenly beep, the phone beeps or some little you know notification comes in of some kind, it's hard to not – Whoa, who is it? What do they want? And nine times out of ten, it drags us off in another direction, and so all of a sudden we're scattered. And we wonder why we feel scattered. It's because we're way too distractible. And so I think that a great habit to get into is that when you're working on something where you don't want to be interrupted, turn the phone off, put it away, and then you'll get a lot more done. And there are all kinds of habits surrounding our cell phones, which uh, they're massive. And uh, believe me, I have some I could attest as well. And uh, I think that we all do. And so this is the idea. And the other thing I just want to say, though, T, about the book is that every chapter, every session may not apply to every individual who might pick up the book. The the first section does happen to be on health, and it really is related fairly specifically to food and somewhat to exercise. And for people that are perfectly comfortable with the way that they eat and the way that they feel about their body, if someone's A-OK with that stuff, just skip that. Go right ahead to love or go right ahead to prosperity. You can skip around in this book. It doesn't have to be a cover-to-cover cover read. It's kind of like right. go to what draws you to it. And I, I would be willing to believe, though, that everybody uh, can improve across the board. And so even though I feel pretty comfortable with um, the way that I relate to food now when once it controlled my life and I was very unhappy about it, there's still little things that we pick up because we can pick up negative habits or habits that really aren't serving us very quickly, too. And so habits can form fairly quickly, and we need to be aware of those. Um, and, and I, I am going to say, say – I am going to – I'm going to interrupt you for a second. I am going to say that, you know, okay, go to the chapters you want to read, but don't skip any chapters because even though you think the health and the weight loss thing may not apply, apply to you there are aspects of things in there that you will read that your brain will say you know what you can apply this in a different area so maybe you don't have to read it first but I am going to suggest that you do read the entire book because you know you can get something out of everything and it would be a shame to miss out on something that triggers something within you even if it's not for you even if it's to help someone else and the other thing is that the, um, the, the technology, okay, when we're talking about the technology and it being interrupted, all right, 
I don't get interrupted by technology. I do not know how to text. I have a flip phone. I don't have a magic phone. I don't want one. I, if you put a gun to my head and said you have to text, you would have to shoot me in the head because I do not know how to do it, and I do not care to learn. I have a landline, and for my practice, people will have to call and leave a message there or call my email. My cell phone is strictly for the doctors I work with and the hospice uh, uh, centers that I work with. I don't give out that number to anyone, and people, you know, this is so important. If somebody is doing something and you disagree with it, regardless of what it is, please stop judging and comparing them. Because I have found that people literally don't like me because I don't have a cell phone and I'm not doing what they're doing. And then this is what I hear. You know what? This is, this is stressing me out. And then they look at me and they see she's not stressed out. Why isn't she stressed out? Because I don't do what you do. So I will say to people, please don't let your perspective of yourself or me limit your sight. Don't let it limit your sight. You can see things within you or within me that maybe you can put into your own life and put into practice. I choose not to go with the technology. I don't need it. I think many people have these phones for show. It's just something they need to do because they're bored and they haven't found anything else to do. They're constantly roaming. I understand people need it in their work, but for the most part, the, a lot of the women that I know, it's not for work. It's not for work at all. It's just because they, they're bored, and that's a shame because somewhere in their life they're suffering, and they need this book to get into some good habits so that they can start doing things that are meaningful and purposeful and will fulfill their own hearts, and I think that's what your book does. It allows people to find the purpose, fulfill your heart with things that are good and solid, bring them into your life, and start to, to get rid of things. When I, I live near New York City. I'm in New Jersey. I live near New York City, and I haven't had to pay for a dinner in New York City in like a year and a half because the first thing people say is everybody put your phone in the center of the table first person who picks up the phone because it rang or you want to make a call or it's buzzing dancing beeping making a you know a horrific noise pays for the entire dinner and they'll always say t where's your phone it's in my car charging just in case i need to call somebody for help on the way home you know because my car breaks down or something and they're just amazed i don't ever pay for dinner it's, it's, it's pointless. <laughs> well, I, I, you know? I get a kick out of you because I think I'm going to challenge you, T, and just suggest though, that the, the judgment thing goes both ways. And so also yep. I was very resistant to the whole cell phone, smartphone thing for many, many years until I was sitting next to yep. a guy on an airplane. Actually, I had a plane that got delayed, and everyone in the line was looking for alternative ways to get to their destinations, and I had my laptop. And uh, I kept pulling it up and opening it up and trying to figure out how to search. And everyone else had these little phones. And I was like, uh, in this particular situation, a phone would be very useful. And I ended up sitting next to this guy on a plane that I finally ended up on. And I was looking at it, and it was fairly large. And I was like, I couldn't live with that phone. And so when I saw it, I went and I got it. And the truth is, I had always been of your opinion, very critical. I don't need it, whatever. And I find that I love my phone. I, it's a, I love my phone. I think it's wonderful and useful. But it can be abused. And I think mm -hmm. that the, the real ultimate truth is about what is working for you and what is interfering yeah. with your ability to experience. So if somebody is enjoying their experience with the phone and everything, and it it's actually makes them feel good and everything, but if they're complaining about feeling distracted well, that's or they're it. complaining about feeling that's, then that's when they need to look at it because this could be right. a source of that feeling. Those are the people so I'm I do. Uh, before with I know we're probably running out of time, T, and I just want to yeah. take just a couple of minutes to be sure to just mention the fourth pillar. The third one is awareness, yeah. which is about presence and time, and we did talk about that a little bit. But the fourth one is about prosperity, and that's totally grounded yeah. in the spiritual principle of appreciation. 
and I just really want to be sure that we talk about that for a couple minutes or just whatever time we have left because it is so important to appreciate the blessings that we have and to be grateful for things. And gratitude is an action word. So it isn't enough to say, I'm grateful for my car uh, or I'm grateful for my house. We must demonstrate it. Or we could say, I'm grateful for my family, but then when we walk in the door, we don't really acknowledge them properly or listen attentively while they tell us about their day or anything like that. So we're not actively demonstrating the gratitude. And so consequently, there's a real lack of gratitude there. And so it's very important if we want to feel rich and prosperous, no matter what we have in our bank account, that we have to acknowledge and appreciate the blessings that are just so vast in our lives. And, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many blessings. A question that I ask people to help get them engaged in this whole concept is because they say, oh, if only I had a million dollars, if only I won the lottery, then I could be happy, et cetera. Yeah, right. <laughs> so so if, um, if, if I were to say that I was willing to pay you a million dollars, but you'd have to give up your eyesight. Would you take that deal? Uh, would you give up your eyesight for a million dollars? And a whole room, I don't care, 50 people, 100 people, everyone in the room for the most part. I, I've never encountered anyone yet, I'll put it that way, who said, oh, yeah, that's a good trade. But why? It's because it's our eyesight. It enables mm-hmm. us to see colors and textures and people's faces and all of these intricacies, and it's, it's apples to oranges. Money is pales by comparison to the real gifts of our eyesight and our heart beating and our, you know, the, the movement of our fingers and just our bodies are total miracles. And I think we spend an awful lot of time in our culture being very critical about our physical beings because of the mm-hmm. models and all this, you know, that we don't like our hips, we don't like our whatever. Uh, for men, you know, we have bald heads, we don't like it, we don't like this, our little pot belly, whatever. It's about learning to love all of that and appreciate it for its function because we're blessed. We're so blessed with the gift of life. And uh, yes. the real the real joy of life is in living it, is in experiencing it. And that's the whole gamut. That's experiencing all of it from the very organic, natural type of things to the, the high-tech stuff too and the big movies and the big screen and the music that we can dance to and all of it. And whatever appeals to us and following our bliss because we all have different things that call us and uh, my my daughter's boyfriend is a um, he's a computer guy. He's IT guy, brilliant. And uh, I could no more do that, nor do I have any interest in it, than I could fly to the moon. Um, but he right. has no interest in what I do, which is much more sort of organic and writing and you know inspiring people and doing all of these things that I love to do. He wants to create video games, and and he loves that, and he's great at it. That's his gift. And I think we mm-hmm. spend a lot of time worrying about what everybody else is doing and how they ought to change their lives instead of looking at ourselves. Well, that's and going, the you know thing. What? In- what instead of saying, instead of saying this is my gift and I'm going to present it to the world, we're too busy doing the comparison and the judgment thing. And that's really sad when people come in and it's not judgment to tell them you need to stop doing this because this is what's causing you an issue. It's a fact. It is a fact when people come in and start complaining about things. This is what you need to do. Here are the tools. And one of the tools is the Art of Good Habits, which our guest tonight, Natalie Herman, has written. And, you know, you can get it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and local bookstores and visit her website, which I have down, Natalie. Your website is nataliewherman.com. Is that correct? I also have Pragmatic. That is correct, but there's an easier way to access my website, which is pragmaticaction.com. You can get there the same way. Okay, so, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to be here tonight. We, I, I had a great time, and I'm sure the listeners did too, and I really appreciate you taking time to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. 
I enjoyed it. Thank you. You're welcome. On behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next week for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You'll find an archive list of past shows, a lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I will be hosting, including my sound healing concerts and labyrinth walks. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T love here at energy awareness radio intending you and yours a most wonderful week remember living from your heart is quite easy you need only give thanks to do so take care and stay well there you go okay let me see what's going on Jeez.